Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Well, it's so good to see you this morning. We came all the way from Israel to see you. Yeah, <laughs> we're so glad to be home. There's no place like home, amen? I love visiting other places, but I love being at home. I, I don't normally do this, but I want to do this this morning. I've tried to, uh, since, I don't know, we did, when did we do Hero Day? Do you remember? Was it back in, I don't know, several it's probably been July or something like that. We did a, a series, and on one Sunday we called it Heroes, and we invited heroes to be with us. And I don't do this very often, but I'm trying to get better at this to stop uh, when I have an opportunity uh, and say thank you. I have a hero here this morning. Uh, Paul Clark is in the, he's going to hate my guts for doing this, uh, but I don't care. He, he can't spank me anymore. He can't catch me. So uh, he was my basketball coach at Southwestern. When I walked in as a freshman, uh, Paul and Verna Clark were there, and I want you to know they're my heroes. Uh, they poured into me and believed in me and kind of took me under their wing. And, and so what you got is somewhat, it's my mom and dad's fault, but it's also Paul's fault and Verna's fault. And so you can blame him, but I'm so glad you guys are here. Their son Tyler's with us, and we just want you to know we love you, and we pray for you constantly. Would you give it up for one of my heroes this morning? Paul Clark is here all the way from Colorado. Thank you, Paul. Love you. God bless you. Watch this. Nobody likes a thief, especially around Christmas time. Now, I don't even have time to go into this, but we experienced a thief in Israel, and we don't like thieves. Uh, we'll have to tell you that testimony later, but we, we had an incident in Israel where somebody decided they liked Teresa's yellow phone uh, more than she does. But anyway, uh, I, I just realized we don't like thieves, especially at Christmas Nobody likes a thief at Christmas. You've heard the accounts of where um, uh, guys will break into homes and steal all the Christmas presents. Or you've heard accounts where somebody has all the Christmas presents in their car and they go in to do something in the house and they come back out and all the presents are gone, right? It's a terrible time of year to experience a thief. All hope seems to be lost. And it seems like that at Christmas we put so much emphasis on giving. But did you also know that at Christmas it can be a season for losing? Losing, too. When things are stolen. But here's my question this morning. What would, what would it be like if something was stolen from you 400 years ago? All right, Teresa lost her phone. Uh, somebody stole her phone. And within four minutes, we're freaking out, right? Four minutes. But what if, it'd been, what if something had been stolen you, from you 400 years ago? I mean, when you start giving up hope. 
I mean, after 400 years of being lost, wouldn't, wouldn't you think, man, this thing's been missing for 400 years. We're never going to get it back. It's been absent. It's been, it's been missing for 400 years. There's no way we're ever going to get it back. Nowhere to be found. See, the, the, in the Old Testament, the presence of God could always be found in the tabernacle. Before the tabernacle, it could be found in the, in the fire, the cloud. It could be easily found all the time. And all of a sudden, at the end of the Old Testament, there's a 400-year period of silence where the presence of God is gone. It's absent. It seems to be missing. A people who now uh, have come out of bondage, they're no longer physically wandering in the wilderness. They've, they've come into a promised land. That, but, but even though they're no longer physically wandering, they're still spiritually wandering. And, and it's lost. They should have known it would have happened. This is the first verse of Scripture I read to our group that went to Israel. It's the first one. The children of Israel should have known that this was going to happen. Because in Deuteronomy, it's prophesied. In Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 20, God says this. For when I brought them into the land flowing with milk and honey, which I swore to give their fathers, and they have eaten and full and grown fat, they will turn to other gods and serve him and despise me and break my covenant. These people that have inherited the promised land, now they're tur- they turn their back on the promise giver and they find themselves swamped in silence. God is nowhere to be found. And now they trade the bondage from Egyptian power. Now they find themselves under the thumb and the control of Roman power. And they're lost. There's no presence of God. So Rome puts a guy by the name of Herod into control. Uh, I don't even have time. It it takes you two weeks to figure out all about Herod in the land of Israel. But what you discover is that Herod was a genius. But he was also a madman. He was a megalomaniac. Uh, he, He wanted to be in control. In fact, the truth is, is that he believed he was God. In fact, he, he's, he goes on this desperate uh, journey to try to maintain power and control. He even takes on, see if this sounds familiar, he, he even says about himself, he takes on this title, that he is the king of the Jews. Ever heard that before? He, he would even come to this place in his own life so desperate to maintain power that he would kill his own family members to keep his throne. But we see that that his madness wasn't just towards his own family. His madness even extends to the ones that he's in control over. Because we read it here. Here's our text this morning. You know this text. Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 7, it says this. Then Herod called the Magi secretly, and he found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. He had no intention of worshiping Jesus. Because you read in verse 16 this, when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and older and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Herod was ruthless. Herod was determined to kill anybody that threatened his control. And so he slaughters all the babies to kill the baby. Why? Why was he so intent on killing Jesus? We discover the answer. 
The, the answer is found previous to chapter 2. It's found in chapter 1. All you got to do is read carefully and you see why he was trying to kill Jesus. Read it in Matthew chapter 1 with me in verse 18 through 23. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him. Here it is. Here's the reason. They will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel, which means God with us. Herod was attempting to permanently destroy and kill the presence of God. And this is the truth this morning. He didn't want God with them because he was with them. He didn't want them to encounter God. He, he wanted to be God. See, I, I think Herod had come to a conclusion. I don't think Herod had any problem with the omnipresence of God. God everywhere. I don't think, I don't, he, he had some, his grandparents had converted to Judaism to save their own lives. They had to convert to Judaism. So he understood Judaism. He understood worship of God. So, so I don't think that Herod had any problem with the idea of the omnipresence of God. What Herod had a problem with was the manifest presence of God. He didn't mind God being out there somewhere, everywhere. He just didn't want God to show up in his town, in his kingdom, because he recognized that if God showed up, he would lose control. God shatters this silence of 400 years, and he reinserts himself front and center, and he sends a flesh-wrapped, visible, tangible representative of his presence to his people, and Herod tries to kill it. So some thoughts this morning. I, 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 I just have to ask two questions for you this morning to consider as we go into this Christmas season. I want to know, how long has he been missing? The children of Israel went 400 years without sensing or seeing God at work. How long have you gone without sensing or seeing God at work? 400 years of silence. Some of us have come through such a silent season that we fear or assume that his silence also equals his absence. And we've come to the conclusion that there is, God doesn't care about us. And he may be God out there somewhere, but he's no longer manifest present in our own life. How long has he been gone? Ever, even though we're promised things like this, He will never leave us or forsake us. Maybe we've come into this prolonged period of, of lack of visible evidence of His presence and it's caused us to believe the lies of the enemy that, that, that would tell us we're alone. We're in this all by ourselves. Nobody else goes or understands what I'm going through. Nobody else has gone through what I'm going through. Nobody else is facing what I'm facing. God is out there somewhere, but he's not present with me right now. And, and I feel like I'm alone, isolated. We, we sing things like this. My, one of my favorite songs that we sing occasionally is this. is Your presence is like heaven to me. 
And yet I wonder for some of you if, 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 if it's possibly been so long since you've sensed or experienced or encountered the presence of God that now when you hear people sing, his presence is like heaven to me. You, you, in your own mind and in your own heart, you're going, what are you talking about, man? This is, this is like being in hell because I don't have any presence. There's no manifest encounter with him. I know he's out there, but I haven't encountered him for myself. And you feel alone. You become accustomed to his assumed absence. You can turn to substitutes in, your, in the silence. And some of us have. Or we can do this. We can remember and find hope in his name. His name is Emmanuel. God with us. What, what, what does the name mean to us? It means, he's just, he, it means more than that he's just present out there somewhere. He's, he is present out there somewhere, but he's also present here. He's present in my distress. He's present in my trouble. He's present in my pain. He's present in my silence. He's present in my isolation. He's present all the time. He's God with us. God in our situation. God wrapped in flesh moves into our neighborhood. He's with us. May I encourage you to believe that even though it's hard to hear him or see him at times, that he's there. Can I remind you the lesson a man who found himself isolated, hated by his own family members, despised by his own spouse, betrayed by his own spouse even. He learns a lesson. David, David comes full circle because in Psalm chapter 22, he asks God, why have you forsaken me? That sounds like somebody that hadn't experienced or encountered God's presence in a while, doesn't it? Have you ever asked God that? Has anybody in the room other than me ever asked God, why have you forsaken me? Why, why am I going through this all by myself? Why am I facing this when nobody else is facing this? Why is this hardship coming to me? Why have you forsaken me? David asked it, but then he comes back. He comes in full circle, and he comes in Psalms 137, and he says this because he recognizes that he's Emmanuel. He's God with us. It's, is there any place I can go to avoid your spirit, to be out of your sight? If I climb to the sky, you're there. If I go underground, and he tried that, you're there. Uh, I, if I flew on morning's wing to the far western horizon, you'd find me in a minute. You're already there waiting. Then I said to myself, oh, he even sees me in the dark. At night, I'm immersed in the light. It's a fact. Darkness isn't dark to you. Night and day, darkness and light, they're all the same to you. He recognized that he's God with us. Silent at times. Absolutely. Hard to figure out and perceive at times. You better believe it. But he's still there. He's still with us. He still continues to be our very present help in the time. Somebody, somebody got to get that one. He's still our very present help in the time of our need. He is our present help. He's right here. Whether we see him, whether we perceive him, whether we recognize him, whether we can identify, he's right here with us. He's our present help. He's God with us. He's overshadowing us. He's overseeing us. He's mindful of us. I want you to think about that statement. That is a powerful statement that I just made to you. Think about this truth. There's hope in this fact. God's mind is full of us. Y'all didn't get it. 
He's mindful of us. God's mind is full of us. So He knows us and He's with us and He knows what we're going through. We can take hope that God has this habit of using silence for our good. I'm going to say that again because we don't like it. We, we need to take hope in the fact that God uses silence for our good. But we also need to understand this truth this morning. He also has this habit of breaking silence for our hope. He uses silence for our good, but he has this habit of breaking silence for our hope. About the time we're ready to give up, about the the time we're ready to throw the towel in, about the time we're about to quit and give up, he has this habit of showing up and breaking in for our hope so we won't lose hope. How long has it been? Since you've encountered Him. How long has it been? If you've been in a season of prolonged silence. Or if you feel like His presence has been missing. Then take hope this morning in this fact. If that's you. If it's been a long time since you've sensed Him. Perceived Him. Discovered Him. Then can I give you some hope this morning? That means you're, you're that much closer to this. To a when the fullness of time has come moment. If he's been quiet for a long time, then you're one day closer to when the fullness of time has come. And he's going to shatter the silence, break into the silence. He's going to come into your midst and he's going to say, I'm God with you. The moment will come when he will break in with a visible and a tangible reminder that he is God with us. Second question. Who is your Herod? I want us to back up a second and revisit this account because Herod literally tries to steal. He, uh, I'll say this on Christmas, but I'll, I'll let the cat out of the bag right now. Herod is the original Grinch. He, he's trying to steal the presence of God from arriving on the scene. Herod doesn't want to lose power. He doesn't want to lose position. So he literally attempts to destroy permanently the presence of God. And my question to you this morning is who do you have in your life that's doing their best Herod impression? So many of us claim absence of God's presence. But the truth is we allow folks to remain around us that are on a mission to kill or delay or diminish the presence of God in our life. You would think that the lack of presence of God in our life would cause everybody around us to get nervous and desperate. And we would all seek the presence of God. We haven't encountered you in a long time. We're desperate, God. We need you. But the truth is, it's just the opposite. People get nervous when you begin to seek the presence of God. Because if you encounter the presence of God, they've got to give up power. They've got to give up authority. If you encounter God, if you experience Him, then you won't, they won't have the final word in your life anymore. They won't have a, a partner in chaos anymore. They, they, some people, how many of you have discovered there are people that thrive in chaos and the more people they can bring into the chaos and into the drama, the better off they are and the happier they are. They, in fact, they will create drama just because they're so accustomed to drama. So y'all don't know the same people I know, I guess. Cause, uh, and they know if you encounter the presence of God that what will take place is peace will come abroad in your heart. It will take root in your heart. And all of a sudden, they won't be able to cause chaos in your life anymore. So they will literally try to diminish the presence and power of God in your life. 
They will play the role of Herod. They won't have a monopoly on your money anymore. They won't have a, they won't have a corner on your time anymore. They won't sit on the throne of your life anymore if you encounter God. And so they resist it and they fight it and they try to persuade you that you don't even need the presence of God. You need their presence instead. And some of us don't have the presence because of the people we refuse to unthrone. Some of us can't find hope because of our friends. Okay, we, we, we need to go back and take, we need to go back and like read. We need to take a lesson from, from the, we've read the Christmas story so often, we don't even think about it anymore. We've heard it, it's so common to us, so familiar to us, so, so, I've read it, I've heard it all my life, I don't need to read it again. And we miss the, we miss the clues, because Joseph recognized what Herod was trying to do, and he takes steps, I want you to see it. Notice that before Herod sent soldiers to kill the babies, God sends word to Joseph in Matthew chapter 2 verse 13. This is what he said. He says, when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. How many of us have received a word in our own life to reroute, but we won't do it? Because we fear loneliness more than we fear God. How many of us refuse to obey instructions? How many of us get this word from God? Hey, you got to get away from these people. This group of people is trying to... In fact, you don't even need a word from God. You see the results of it. You don't have any peace. You don't have any calm. You don't have any hope. You don't have any strength. And God is saying, reroute, reroute, reroute. You've got to take the steps necessary to protect the presence of God. And we won't do it. And then we lose hope. Herod does his best to take Jesus out and keep the presence of God out of the life and the history of Israel. And I just have to ask you, who do you have in your life that is trying to do that to you? It is time to identify the thieves in our lives and reroute to hope and power so that we can experience God with us again. In old days, you would go to church and and at the end of service, they, they would do different things. But one of the things that they would do is a benediction in congregations. They would look at one another. And instead of uh, someone praying or, or, or ending the prayer with amen, they were instructed to do this. They were instructed to look at one another and make this statement. God be with you. Maybe we ought to go back to that. Maybe we ought to just kind of uh, polish that off and use it a little bit. And, 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 and as we come together like this, we begin to look at each other and say, God be with you. But I want to tell you something this morning. For God to be with you, it may very well mean that there can be some people that can't be. Because if you allow them to stick around in your life too long, they will play Herod for you. And they will cause you to dismiss his power and his authority and his sovereignty and his grace and his peace and his hope. And every time you encounter God, you allow these folks to hang around your life that are pulling you down. You will walk and it will be just a few moments and your head will go down. Your hands will come down and your heart will come down and your hope will come down. And all of a sudden, you've met a thief, and he's stolen everything that God meant for you to encounter, experience, and you find yourself empty. Who's playing Herod? 
So two questions, two simple questions this morning. One, how long has it been since you've truly encountered the presence of God? Maybe, it, I, I know it hasn't been 400 years because, well, because. <laughs> we would know if it had been 400 years, right? But for some of you, it's been 40 years. You encountered Him when you were six. You encountered Him when you were 12. But you've not encountered Him recently. For some of you, it's been four years Four years ago, you were in here dancing yourself silly, praising God, and now you don't know if God even loves you anymore. For some of you, it was four months ago. In some place, in a car, in a bedroom, in a service, somewhere, you encountered the presence, the tangible, manifest presence of God, and your life was encouraged, but it's been four long months, and now you haven't heard Him, and you haven't seen Him, and you wonder if He even cares. How long... My prayer this morning is that out of your, your extended, whether it be 40 years or four months or four weeks, out of an extended period of silence and perceived absence, a spirit of desperation would rise up in us and we would begin to once again pursue the presence of God. And we would allow him to speak in to us and show us that he's not just out there somewhere. He's right here with us. Catherine, if you'd come to the keyboard. But my second question for you this morning is simply this. Who's killing his presence? Who's distracting you? Who who watches you encounter God and then rushes in to destroy what God wants to do because they want to stay in power? They They want the throne. I'm just asking this morning that maybe some of us would identify recognize the Herods of our life and we would get a word from God this morning that what we need to do is we need to reroute. I could hang out with you, but I can't now. I could take your call, but I can't. Sorry, I I like you and all, but I'm going to have to reroute a little bit because if I listen to you more than 20 seconds on the phone, I'll lose everything that God did for me. You asked me to come over to your house, but I'm, I'm sorry, I'm busy. What you got to do? Nothing, but I can't come to your house. Because if I come to your house, I I, I will encounter your presence, but I will lose the presence. Let's go out and eat. All I want to do is go watch a movie. We don't even get to talk in a movie, man. You're just sitting next to me. It's not like like I'm wearing on you. We're just watching a movie. No, sorry, I can't. Uh, We're Pentecostal. We don't go to movies anyway. I'm playing. I watched three on the plane coming home. All right. So, so, but but I got to reroute. Play the Pentecostal, like the, the legalistic card on them. I don't even go to movies. I'm too holy for that. I can't. And then go find somebody to go to a movie with that encourages you and speaks the presence of God into your life. And the more time you spend around them, the more hopeful you become. And the more conscious of God's presence you become. I need us to identify Herod's, but I also want to say this to you this morning. I need you to be anti-Herod. I need you to be the antithesis of Herod. It's a fancy word that means just be the opposite. I need you to help people encounter the presence of God. The more time they spend with you, they don't get further from God. The more time they're with you, they want God. Some questions we need to answer in our own life this morning. For some of us, it's been way, way too long. His presence has been missing way
Some of you continue to allow people. I see it week after week. You come in here every Sunday morning and you encounter God. And by Monday afternoon, I can tell you've lost everything you've got on Sunday. You know how I can tell? By what you post on Facebook. You lost it all. I can tell it by the language, by the attitude, by the subject matter. And all of a sudden, I was shouting in here on Sunday about my, about my Monday. Somebody got to me. Stole it all. And I just want to challenge you this morning. First, I want to challenge you to encounter God. He's, he's Emmanuel. God with Jesus is Emmanuel. I'm saying it again. We don't seem to be excited about that. Jesus is Emmanuel. He's with us. I also want to challenge you this morning to protect presence. I want you to stand with me this morning. And as they play, I want you to do two things. Uh, uh, We're we're just going to take a few moments. I I, I just want you to take some time this morning and I want you to encounter God. if you need to come to the altar and, and, and pray to encounter him, if you need to kneel at your chair, if you need to lay on your face, if you need to walk, if you need to get up in a corner and just put your nose in the corner so you're not distracted by anything or anybody, whatever you got to do to encounter him, would you just recognize that he's here? He's here. What are you going through? He's here. What are you facing? He's here. What challenges have you been encountering? He's here you got to pursue him. So for just a few moments, would you just seek his presence and then I'll come back and pray over uh, uh, protecting that presence. But just for a few moments right there where you are, maybe like I say, you need to come down. Would Would you just seek his presence? Come on guys, would you sing and just allow us to seek his presence this morning? It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.